Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Tuesday, October 11th. Oh, man. What a show we have to do here today. I don't have to welcome you to the show. That's a, a, a favorite of mine personally. But we do have to say hello to the Archbishop of Adjustments. Andy Barron's himself. <laughs> Andy, quite a run of titles here for you, my friend. I'm I'm pretty sure that's not even a royal title. I think that's just a I think that's just a church title, right? Um, and maybe the archbishop isn't even as good as the bishop. Is the bishop better than the archbishop? Which direction can they move on a chessboard? I have no idea. Are they even on a chessboard? I'm not sure. What I'll take it. I, would I rather be an archduke? Probably, but sure, I'll take archbishop. Remember when I was like king? Remember a few weeks ago, I was I was an actual king. Yeah, you were a king, you're a wizard, and now you're just an archbishop. But that, listen, that's an important title too, okay? So let's give yourself some credit. And, and there's a lot of adjustments that we have to make right around here, you know, heading into week six. So we uh, need you on this path, Andy. And we do, of course, have all of our usual waiver content coming up on the show today. Um, the guys to add at each position, some players to drop, some players to hold on loosely. But we also have a lot of business to attend here uh, before we jump right into it. So let's get started here. Big news of the day broke this morning. The Panthers have... Um, completed a mercy firing of Matt rule is what I'm going to call this because <laughs> look, this was, it was uh, uh, over. I think honestly, you could argue that it was over last year uh, for Matt rule in Carolina, but you know, Matt rule gets to pocket 40 million bucks here for the rest of the contract. I mean, there's some offset language, whatever he'll ride off into the sunset, probably be like, I don't know, you know, Nebraska, Arizona state, whatever. I don't know college football that well, he'll be some college football HC rebuild a program there he'll be fine it was Dunzo in Carolina um they move on Steve Wilkes uh, is the interim head coach Phil Snow oddly enough the defensive coordinator he's like a Matt Rule crony so of course he goes out the door with Matt Rule but the defense is kind of the one bright ish spot in Carolina Ben McAdoo still attached to this operation you know meanwhile Andy <laughs> Baker Mayfield's expected to miss at least a couple weeks with a sprained ankle so we're gonna get PJ Walker who was a total Matt Rule guy starting for this team. Reactions, thoughts, takeaways. Like I said, this feels almost merciful in a way by David Tepper. 
Yeah, first of all, the the crowd shots from Carolina um, this past weekend, unbelievable, right? Like literally no Panthers fans uh, to be found anywhere. Just yeah. nothing but nothing but red jerseys. Um, seem like a seem like a partisan Niners crowd. So that's bad. Rule, as you say, it's going to be fine. Um, I like perfectly perfectly fine college coach. Um, I, you know, I'm a fan of a Big Ten West team, and I look forward to welcoming Matt Rule to Nebraska or you know wherever else he lands. Nebraska seems like a strong possibility. Who knows? Uh, weird that Ben McAdoo is, is, uh, sticking around, uh, to maintain that offensive juggernaut that we'd come to so enjoy <laughs> in Carolina. Um, the, you know, the other thing, and we talked about this a little bit on FFL on Sunday, the, the schedule like only now gets really rough for, <laughs> for Carolina. So like, however much these guys have disappointed you, you know, it started with the Niners and now we get the Rams and then we get the Bucks and the Bengals are coming. And there's just like a bunch of uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of salty defenses on that schedule ahead. And they're in a, this crazy transitional period. Um, DJ Moore is like 50 yards in a good week. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is preserving fantasy value. But like that, that's it. There's nobody else you can touch here. And DJ Moore is that difficult sort of. I mean, it's guys like this almost become, I think DJ Moore is a wonderful player. I'll just say that. Um, but guys like this are almost toxic on a fantasy roster. It's like the yeah. Allen Robinson situation last year where you're like, he's, he's good. I can't drop. How can I drop a guy this good? And you'll never start him. And he has zero trade value, right? Like, uh, there's, there's no, what are you going to do? Throw him on the trade block. Everybody knows he's on the trade block. He's not helping you. Um, and you can't, you can't play him. I don't know. Guys like this just burn a roster spot and it's, it puts you at a, a serious disadvantage. Yeah, it's rough. And I, I know that like there's the idea that it can't get much worse than Baker Mayfield. And look, it really I, I don't know that it can get much worse, but just because Baker Mayfield, who was the stone worst quarterback in the NFL by any measure. You know, completion percentage over expectation, EPA per drop back, um, watching him play that that good old fashioned measure uh, of watching Baker Mayfield double Baker Mayfield double clutching the ball in the pocket. Bad news. OK, yeah. whatever comes next, not going to be good. <laughs> um, it, it, it can't get much worse. But I don't think that means it's going to get better here for the Carolina Panthers. Um, and it's crazy how quickly this situation rotted. I talked about this on the Nerd Thursday podcast with Dalton Del Don, and you know he's like, "What went so wrong with DJ Moore?" It's like this ecosystem is completely rotted. Like, there's an alternate universe, Andy, where you know Teddy Bridgewater is the bridge quarterback for this team, keeps them afloat. Joe Brady's the offensive coordinator. Sure. You know, Matt Rule just like wasn't cut out for this thing. But the first year of like the Matt Rule experience really wasn't that bad right like looking back on it right um the the teddy bridgewater year joe brady as the officer coordinator you know curtis samuel thousand total yards dj moore thousand yards robbie anderson a thousand yards um it just went so so bad so quickly um because it, this team is completely mismanaged yeah the the other thing i'll say i i meant to comment on pj walker he's at least kind of fun bad i i, I would say oh. like his his highlights um both on the good side when they occasionally happen and on the bad side are like must watch moments. Um, so we kind of have that to look forward to. Uh, clearly not, clearly not a good quarterback, not, not the guy that you want to necessarily sustain drives in the NFL, anything like I, I have no hope for Panthers fans. I don't know how many Panthers fans remain, um, but I, I have no hope to offer them. <laughs> 
<sighs> yeah, I don't. I mean, obviously, I know a lot of Panthers fans. I've had you know my my days with the Panthers, and it's just this is one of the weirdest and most depressing franchises in the entire NFL right now because you know there's no way that. Like all this does come back to ownership too. Um, I was just gonna say know. it's one of those like you can't fire the owner situations, yeah. right? Um, and that's that's what all this really comes back to, right? And there are owners that just don't care whether the team wins or loses. I, I think David Tepper does care if the team wins or loses. He just clearly so far does not know how to build a winner. Um, you know, maybe he learns on the job, whatever. Uh, but so far. Not so great for David Tepper and the Carolina Panthers. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But I agree with you. Like, there is really no there's no value to be had here. DJ Moore, like, you know, we're going to talk about guys like Ken Walker on this show. If it was between, like, adding a guy like Ken Walker or dropping DJ Moore, I'd be fine dropping DJ Moore because it's just – tell yourself the story how this gets much, much better. I don't know that you can do it. Yeah, last week uh, was the first time on Twitter when, you know, pe- people will ask you, hey, I'm interested in adding so-and-so. Who's my drop? Here's three guys. Last week was the first week that I that I selected DJ Moore from a couple of rosters because you just you just start looking ahead at the schedule again and you're like, when the hell am I ever going to play this guy? Um, and that was with Baker. That was with, theoretically, a, a better quarterback situation. There's just, there's no spot ahead where, I, where I'm like, yeah, fire up DJ Moore for that one. So I, I do actually think he's a pretty obvious drop in a lot of leagues. All right, let's move on to recapping Sunday night football here. Ravens 19, Bengals 17. A um, lot of like micro takes we can have with players, both teams, whatever. But I definitely came away from that game last night, Andy, thinking sp- and specifically on the Bengals side of it. They're are so many teams in the NFL right now that I feel like are still trying to figure it out. And I think the Bengals perfectly encapsulate that. Like we're about to enter week six and I don't know if the Bengals are that good. I don't know if the Ravens are that good. (laughs) Like how many teams do you think right now in the NFL, just on the top of your head, you can say for sure are verifiably good and like know who they are from an identity perspective. Oh yeah, that's a really small number. I don't know. Do you think it's is it a half dozen? Is it? Um, I don't think so. I think it's fewer. I like I just yeah. off the top of my head, like definitely Buffalo. Definitely, I think Kansas City. They play tonight, obviously, but I think they fit into this group. I I think the Eagles. They know who they are, and I think they're a good team. That and like that's where it's sort of <laughs> I sort of kind of lose it after yeah, that, that, right? Might, that might be right. That might be right. Yeah, clearly the Packers don't know who or what exactly they are right now. Um, the even the the Buccaneers who who sure should know who they are, right? Like don't don't yeah. seem to know who they are exactly at this moment and came uh, weirdly close to to losing in Week Five. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. I I thought the Sunday night game was about as. I don't know. Maybe it's too generous to these two teams, but I thought it was about as poor a game as these teams can play together. It wasn't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Like we had Lamar missing. We had Lamar missing throws that would have made this a more yeah. exciting game. A couple of deep shots. The the. Oh, by the way, the one I love when teams take deep shots on like fourth and short. It's it's pretty much my favorite thing in football because you could even see the yeah. Bengals were. You know, defenses fall into this this trap and fans fall into a trap of thinking that, OK, if it's like fourth and two, we really only have to defend the two yards in front of us um, instead of defending the whole field. So I just I love teams taking deep shots. I know it didn't work, but it was I think it was Tylen Wallace was the receiver. Yeah. 
um, and and Jackson, a, a better ball is a is an easy walk and touchdown. So I loved the call, hated the execution. Um, just a couple of misfires from Lamar on the night. Burrow wasn't Burrow wasn't great. Joe Mixon is a is a weird story at this stage of the fantasy season, right? Because if you were just if the only number that I told you about Joe Mixon was that he has 116 touches and he leads the NFL in touches, you'd be like, oh man. What a, you know, what a golden ticket season this is for Joe Mixon, but he's, but he's averaging (laughs) 3.7 yards per touch, not per carry per touch. Um, the receptions aren't going anywhere. The, the, you know, he's coming off like the best game of his season in terms of efficiency. Basically, I think it was the first game that he was over maybe 3.1 yards per carry. Um, so a, a decent night in terms of efficiency, but he's just, I mean, you guys just saw the Sunday night game. Like he doesn't really get anything go. Like there's no, there's no push from the offensive line. I'm starting to wonder if he's not, I mean, Joe Mixon, like four years ago, um, got hit in the backfield all the time and made miraculous yeah. things happen on it. And that's not happening as often now. Um, so he's a, he's a problem because this is a, there's a lot of touches that he has to this point and he has almost nothing to show for it. One touchdown, I think. And again, like woefully inefficient season. It kind of harkens me back to the podcast that Scott and I did prior to this season about like running backs and age curves and when these guys typically fall off. So Joe Mixon just turned 26 in July, but he's also kind of an old 26 because he came into the NFL in 2017. He's had plenty of workhorse seasons and, you know, like 26, 27 is right around the time he's like based on Scott's preseason study that you sort of kind of start to raise your eyebrow at at running backs and it is just worth wondering if he has lost a step. And uh, although I, I still am less concerned, I mean, shoot, maybe he's, maybe he's fallen off, whatever. I have no idea, but with, with any of these guys, it's more so about the ecosystem to me, Andy. And and that's kind of like my original point here. There's so many of these teams are still trying to figure themselves out. I don't think the Bengals have, like, I think the Bengals have weirdly, they need to find a middle ground between the team they were last year and the team they've been this year, because the team that they were last year, we know was so based on like deep passing and, you know, like effort Jamar is down there somewhere, you know, and, and that, that stuff worked. That stuff's hard to repeat. But then you look at it last night, Andy, Joe Burrow, here's the good news was only pressured on 13.5% of his <laughs> dropbacks. Here's the bad news was getting rid of that thing at, at 2.28 seconds and average air yards, 3.4, 3.4 yards per yeah. attempt. Um, that's rough from an air yards perspective. So, you know, they kept trying to kind of get Jamar chase going in the screen game and the underneath game, but like, there's gotta be a middle ground between being so vertically inclined and then what they were last night and here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Like the Bengals could in December have figured it out and the Bengals could be the Bengals that we assume that they were going to be this year, but it might take a long time to get to that. And I feel like I could say that for at least, and this kind of like the, the macro point of it here. I feel like I could say that about 15 teams right now. And there's no doubt that that's having an effect on people's fantasy seasons. Cause yeah, people are pissed about the Jamar chase thing. And I think that he's like a, that is a symptom of the larger disease. Basically. I think this is a team that they, they knew what they wanted to be coming into the season. Right. Um, offensively and in super simple terms, it was going to be basically, you know, if you're playing fine, you want to, you want to play cover two against us and you want to take away a lot of the, a lot of the deep shots that were so spectacular last year. That's fine. We're going to run it down your throat. Um, except that they're not able to run it down anybody's throat. 
Um, I think they thought yeah. that they had, I certainly thought that they had a, the, the offensive line upgrades necessary to do it. Um, I, I have always thought that Joe Mixon was a really, really good back. And if, you know, it, despite your best intentions, if you're only rushing for like three yards a carry, 2.9 yards a carry when you're, you know, when, when you're in run it down their throat mode, that's, that's just not going to cut it. Um, so, so far it's been completely successful to try to take away, uh, all the deep opportunities from this team and they don't really have a counter. Is it as simple as just saying that like so far their offensive line rebuild has, has been a fail, has been a failure. Is that, is that as simple as it is for the Bengals? It shouldn't be, but it seems like, I mean, it seems like that's one of the answers, right? Um, I'm sure some of it is Joe Burrow wanting to do some hero things too, right? He's got a little bit of, he's got a little big bend in him um, in that he wants to extend plays and make miraculous things happen. And sometimes that, that'll work. Um, but I, the, I mean, the line has certainly been a disappointment. It's not the only problem, but it, it, it is certainly the one thing, you know, I was so bullish on the Bengals because I thought, Man, this is a team that didn't make the the splashy skill position signing necessarily, or they didn't draft anybody that we're just going to go crazy for. But they knew they had a big problem. They definitely addressed it in free agency. You can't say that they didn't, you know, swing pretty big at, at fixing this thing in free agency. It just hasn't materialized. And we've got problems too coming out of this whole thing for Cincinnati. Um, left tackle Jonah Williams is day to day with an ankle injury, and T Higgins also day-to-day with an ankle injury I think that's worth talking about here ankle sprain for for T Higgins like nobody's saying that it's a high ankle sprain but it might be a high ankle sprain for T Higgins might honestly be like similar to the injury that Amon Ross St. Brown is dealing with uh where he missed a week and then he came back on a pitch count um luckily I think Detroit runs into their bye this week that's good for them um can't say the same for the Bengals here is if you have T Higgins on your fantasy team, how and I do have T Higgins on a fair amount of fantasy teams. Um, I'm not feeling great about it. How are you feeling? No, I would need to see. Uh, certainly, I need to see a full practice on a Friday, right? Like if T Higgins doesn't practice this week and he's like limited on Friday, and then they're like, uh, he's game time decision and he plays. I, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna rank him like wide receiver 50. I'll be terrified to to start him because yeah. he was. I mean, he was a spectator for for much of that game. Uh, it's obviously. I, there, there's a lot they can do for an ankle sprain in the NFL, um, unless it's uh, of of such severity that you know you just can't move laterally. And maybe that's maybe that's what he's dealing with right now. If it is, like, I mean, you absolutely can't play him. And where like the buys are just hitting, like you're going to be yeah. tempted to play T Higgins if he's if he's uh, if he's active. But we we now run the risk of him just not being on the field at all. And I think this is also a Bengals thing again because so much of what the Bengals were built on last year was like, we have these two number one level receivers that can both do all the alpha stuff across from each other and go try like go try and stop that. So far this year, T. Higgins has been banged up at various points of the year, and he's been great when he hasn't been banged up, but he has been banged up. And teams are doing so much to take away Jamar Chase on um, deep passes, and the Bengals are, last night notwithstanding, just running him on go route, go route, go route, go yeah. route stuff. It's It's been insane. Um, like, basically, it's the receiver equivalent, Andy, of when teams, like, run into heavy boxes, right? Like, just, just <laughs> yes. take, like, yeah. two, yard, two yards in a cloud of dust into a heavy box. That's the same thing as, like, Oh, they've got two, you know, it's a cover two defense and, uh, you know, the, the, the safety shaded to this side and the corners manned up on, on Jamar, like 
we're we're gonna just keep running go routes, go routes, go routes. That's the, that's the receiver equivalent of that. So um, they haven't at any point had like two elite number one receivers firing off at the same time. So it's all symptomatic of this. Really, really tough stuff. Quickly on on the Ravens here. You know, you mentioned some of the receiver misses. You know, they're obviously missing their number one receiver last night at Rashad Bateman and Andy. I feel like you know, obviously Bateman's injured now. That's a bummer. I feel like people. People out there that are complaining about Rashad Bateman prior to the injury, like I think you don't, I just don't think you have the stomach for fantasy because he had a good game, right, a great, right. a, a good game, a great game, and then a slow game, and then he got injured in week four. Like, welcome to the wide receiver position, right? But I feel like t- missing Tylen Wallace on that on that deep route, like some of that can be on the receiver from a timing perspective too. Like you expect him to be in one place. Like, hey, maybe if that is Rashad Bateman, they take the shot on the fourth down there. Like that could easily be complete. So. Feel like you felt that absence there as much as Devin Duvernay is a good player and I, I think like a useful guy for them. Still feel that absence and like I think we might have weeks like this with J.K. Dobbins, Andy, where we have no idea that like another running back is going to mix in coming into the game because if you have J.K. Dobbins, like you felt yes. so good coming yeah. in that game last night, and then you feel real terrible coming out of it. I also feel like, you know, a lot of that is that just Justice Hill had actually earned his snaps, right? Like Justin Hill, Justice yeah. Hill had had some really nice moments this season, some of the best of his pro career. And so I like no, no, no issues there. He deserved to be on the field. But when he was out, you were you were like, well, what has Mike Davis done? What has Kenyon Drake done? Like none of these guys have done a thing. They haven't really earned their playing time. They weren't uh, they weren't special in any way on Sunday night. Um it, that that is really frustrating because this was you know this is part of the miracle of J.K. Dobbins' rookie season is he was getting all that done and he was scoring every week in the second half of the season without actually playing that much. It's not like it's not like that was a function of J.K. Dobbins getting twenty five touches a game. That was never happening. He'd be in the low double digits, but the the run game generally for that team was so dominant that it could support him and Lamar and and Gus Edwards and everybody was everybody was eating. Um, it's not necessarily like that anymore. Um, L- Lamar basically always gets his. He was he was obviously fun uh, throughout the game. He, he, you know, despite missing despite missing a couple throws, Lamar is always a blast to watch. But yeah, it was a letdown game for for J.K. Dobbins coming off. Uh, you know, uh, the, the multiple touchdown performance, a little bit of action as a receiver. That was exciting to see because I've never really thrown to backs before. So that was good. But I, I mean, there's obviously going to be better days ahead for Dobbins. It's just a little bit frustrating fantasy wise that they keep rolling out, you know, the same corpses uh, and, and keep getting the same result. Yeah. And I feel like, again, you might just get these games with Dobbins because who knows where he is from a health perspective. Um, I think that's that's the thing, too. Like, it took him a long time to even play right like yeah. this year so that we might have points where they notice an aggravation especially late in the week um and, and they're not they have no reason to tell you that like ahead of the game so we might get you know Kenyon drake was a healthy scratch last week then this week we we got what we got so um troubling if you have jk dobbins on your fantasy team but uh unless you got anything else on sunday night we can move into the into the waivers uh the one other thing i will say about the game was that uh and we'll talk about him in the in the tight end ads it was pretty good hayden hurst game like this is two games in a row that they've leaned on him and that's that's probably going to continue and maybe it's a function of the t higgins injury it probably is but um that that should continue for at least another week yeah no i i think that's a good call out and we'll definitely hit on him um when we get to the tight end section definitely a guy that i wish Wish I had thought about a little more, but I, you can say that about every tight end that isn't, um, you know, Taysom I wish I Hill. thought about yeah. it. 
Andy, I, I said it to Scott on the podcast last night, so I, I know the listeners have already heard this, but um, I never want to get into the positional eligibility civil wars on fantasy Twitter. But I will say that in a dynasty league, I swapped out um, an injured Kyle Pitts. And by the way, my backup tight end is Johnny Smith, who's also hurt. And I had Taysom Hill because it was a super flex league. And I used to roster him because of uh, the quarterback. And I, you know, I put put him in my tight end spot. And I, this league, I scored 247 points in. Um, like I would have won regardless of Taysom Hill, but seeing like 36 points in my tight end spot from Taysom freaking Hill, I'll admit that even I felt like, ah, I don't know if that's right. I don't know if that's right. I will say it's like it's it's almost not murky from a position eligibility standpoint because he I mean, the team lists him there like this isn't a situation yep. where he, he has a positional designation that that doesn't appear on the team's website and in any uh, official team uh, uh, listing like he's on the the depth chart and he's listed on the roster as a tight end. I, I just love that he's listed at the one position that he definitely isn't playing. Right. <laughs> like It's not he's not in any way. It's not, you, you call him a running back if you want to. You call him a lot of things, but he's. He's certainly not a receiver. Um, that he's barely been a rumor as a as a receiving threat. And it's the one position that like fantasy folks are struggling the most to figure out. So yeah, there's a lot going on there. But uh, all right, that will be enough on Taysom Hill. Um, although we're going to talk about him a little bit later. Let's move into the running back section here uh, of our waiver wire pickups. And, and and we got to have a pretty big conversation here about Kenneth Walker. The third, um, you know, Rashad Penny, unfortunately going to miss the rest of the season. Um, I feel terrible for Rashad Penny. Cause he like literally just said the, the week prior, how much he, the injuries affected him and how much he hated it. You know, I think we put so much on players like, and he even said like i felt like i was letting the fans down it's like dude i mean you're feeling it so much yourself so that's a whole yeah. other thing but um kenneth walker though certainly becomes like a a clear-cut empty the clip guy for yeah i i feel like this is the first time all season that we've had a guy where we can just say whatever you've you know almost without respect to what your positional needs are you should probably still place an aggressive bid and it should it should probably like if you have a need right now, you're two and three, you're hell. If you're if you're anything and you have even the, the moderate need at running back. And that, that's the other thing about fantasy is you're like you never have enough running backs. Even when you think you have enough running backs, you don't have enough running backs. So you should probably just empty the wallet for Kenneth Walker. Um, really, really good player. I'm not breaking any news here. Um, I, I would think almost any uh, college football fan saw him last season, right? Sixteen hundred yards at Michigan State. One man wrecking crew single-handedly won some games for that team. He's got sub four four speed, um, de- decisive. He's just coming off a phenomenal season. Uh, averaged over six yards per carry. Not a not a huge receiving threat, but hey, great news. Uh, Seattle doesn't want to throw to its uh, early down runners anyway, so no big deal there. Um, he just slots right into to Rashad Penny's spot, and I think can can probably deliver cl- close to 100 percent of what you would have expected from Penny. Penny. To your point, coming off a 151-yard game, obviously carried a bunch of us to fantasy titles last year. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad we at least got to experience. Like, not to write him off for his career. I'm, I hope Rashad Penny comes back and he's great again. Um, but I'm, I'm glad we all got to see like what peak Rashad Penny looked like at the end of last year because it was great. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, for the people out there, and I'm sure there's a few who, who are listening to this podcast, like, you know, screaming, not in my league, Kenneth Walker, not available. In my He is only rostered in 45% of Yahoo leagues, which I expected it to be higher. I'm a little ashamed of you, Yahoo users. Uh, like, I, I'm, to be fair, I probably said at some points, like, there's not a lot of value in this Seattle running back rotation. But this is what happens. Unfortunately, injuries are 
they suck and they are an unfortunate reality of this game, especially at the running back position when a backfield that is not condensed at all becomes suddenly condensed. That's when, and and this offense is much better than we thought too. So Walker just fits every bit, the profile of a guy that's going to smash the rest of the way. I will say coming into the year, he had, you know, there was a murky injury situation tied True. to Kenneth Walker. And when is he going to be available? Oh, probably not going to be at like missed a bunch of time, like late in camp, late in the preseason. So that's part of it. Um, and again, most most Yahoo leagues are like 10 team leagues. And a, a guy who's got a guy who's not going to be the starting running back who has injury worries is just simply not going to get drafted in more than like 25 or 30 percent of leagues. The 14 team super flex that that some listener of this podcast might play in is like that's like one percent of all uh yahoo fantasy leagues so he's kenneth walker is very much available in a majority of fantasy leagues right now all right other pickups uh of the week here at running back andy who we got um i would say there's a clear first tier and it's kenneth walker and there's probably a pretty clear second tier and it's eno benjamin um in part because he's the only obviously healthy back on the Cardinals roster right now. Um, James Conner dealing with a rib issue. Daryl Williams picked up a knee issue in week five. They've got Seattle coming up and Seattle just keeps giving up 40 points to whoever it is they play, right? Like this has been the most generous defense by a long way, um, giving up the most yards per play in the NFL. Like they're, they've just been incredibly generous. So you can expect, you know, you, you can expect the cards to put up 30 plus against them. Um, it's a great spot for Benjamin. And we have to figure that like, even if Connor's able to play through this, we're going to see a ton of Benjamin. He's, um, he, he's a pretty fun player. He's a more like he, He's smallish, right? I think he's five nine, but he is one of those guys who plays like he doesn't know how big he is. Um, super competitive runner. The the touchdown that he scored this past weekend, he he plowed over a guy. And he's not he's just he's not built to plow over guys necessarily, and yet he does it occasionally. Um he's he's crazy versatile. He's actually handled a kickoff uh this season. Um so just a just a fun player who's who's gonna have probably a pretty significant uh, week six role against an absolutely atrocious defense. So I think Benjamin is a really interesting ad. Other guys on the list uh, would include Mike Boone, who looked pretty, you know, that was, that was an absolutely dreadful Thursday night game. Obviously, it was almost unwatchable, but Mike Boone was okay. Um, Mike Boone saw double digit touches and was pretty good. Melvin continues to put the ball on the ground. So I, I, w- I would imagine that Mike Boone has a role moving forward. It's probably once we get into some thorny bye weeks, it's probably a, a flex worthy role. Um, he looked pretty good, as did uh, Deion Jackson on the Colts side. He looked he, he looked like the best Colts running back in this game. And now we're dealing with uh, an injury to Naheem Hines. We obviously have the injury to Jonathan Taylor. So if Deion, if Deion Jackson falls into more work, I'm I'm pretty interested in him, uh, at least as a as a stream during some bye weeks. I should also mention Tevin Coleman, who had a game that he is surely not going to repeat, um, <laughs> but he had a big game and people are adding him. And uh, Joshua Kelly, and this is probably something that Austin can speak to on a later show, but but Joshua Kelly seemed like he sure stepped into the uh, understudy role uh, for the Chargers. He was very good, over 80 total yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I think Josh Kelly at this point um, becomes the injury insurance there in in L.A. I mean, I don't wish injury on any of my co-hosts, certainly not Austin, <laughs> not even you, Andy. I hope you stay healthy <laughs> and fit. Uh, but yeah, I can't, mean, Josh can't Kelly, have the Archbishop going down now. 
No, I can't have the Archbishop. Who, who's got, who, as much as I love Izzy, I don't know that she's like the best uh, backup <laughs> uh, co-host there for the waiver wire show. So uh, I'm trying to get more of you guys, not less of you guys. So yeah, please stay healthy, Andy. Um, do your stretching, okay? Focus on flexibility, mobility. Don't just hit the squat rack all the time, all right, man? All about, same all thing about I tell, four. Same thing I tell Austin, man. Just don't, it's not all, you know, <laughs> focus on flexibility, mobility, okay? Uh, let, let's keep that in mind. But yeah, no. I do think Josh Kelly's emerged as that guy. Um, Tevin Coleman is that guy, most likely in San Francisco, although we'll see what happens if TDP ever gets back. Um, but yeah, these are all good names. And and again, it's these are going to be names, you know, Benjamin notwithstanding, because it feels like James Conner's just like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop there. It's like he's yeah. in and out, in and out, in and out. These other guys, though, they can be a little difficult to roster because bye weeks are coming and, you know, Deion Jackson, Tevin Coleman, they don't give you like a guy that you gotta you can maybe Deion Jackson, I don't know, but like Tevin Coleman's not a guy you probably want to play. But if you can hang on to these guys, they can be season savers as well. So they're probably we what we talked about last week, right? Like there's a difference between the folks who are, you know, five and oh, four and one, and then the folks who are one and four yeah. trying to claw back out of this thing. If you're trying to claw back out of this thing, I'm I'm not a hundred percent hundred percent sure Tevin Coleman is for you or Josh Kelly is for you. But if you are the good team, like I would have Josh Kelly because you probably hit on some of your wide receiver picks. Like you can go ahead and cut your wide receiver five um, and, and add Josh Kelly to your bench. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a good call. And I think the I think the snaps for Josh Kelly and Sony Michelle were like twenty four to two, right? Like yes. he thoroughly outplayed him, um, thoroughly outplayed him, out touched him. So that seems like a, a perfectly settled situation. And I think that's a, I think, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, if you're, if you're adding Deion Jackson, that's like a super short shelf life ad, right? Like that's obviously Deion Jackson, as good as he looked against the Broncos is not gonna, he's, he's no threat to a healthy Jonathan Taylor's workload. Like that's, he just goes back to being a special teamer. I, I just thought he looked pretty lively in that Broncos game. Um, but maybe that was just me looking for, looking for anything good in a miserable game. Makes sense to me. All right, Andy and I are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll cover wide receivers, quarterbacks, and tight ends. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Andy, we're back. Bro, Jacoby Myers, your first guy here on the list. What does Jacoby Myers have to do to get you people out there <laughs> to respect him? I mean, I will say he'd missed he'd missed a couple weeks due to injury. Um, his team was down to its third string quarterback. Like, I get why he's eligible for this for this segment. Um, he's, he, I mean, he's certainly somebody where if you were you know a sub five hundred fantasy team. You need guys who are absolutely available, but he's been, I mean, he's been great. He's coming off uh, a hundred yard game. He made a visit to the end zone, which is not what we think of when we think of Jacoby Myers, but there's, I mean, 
it's not like he's not good at touchdowning. You know, I, I just, I like, I, yeah. I hate when we, I hate when we tag guys with, uh, with that reputation. Um, Jacoby Myers in a, you know, in a, in a better offensive ecosystem would, would score plenty of touchdowns. It wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Um, the, the benefit to him right now is he's seeing all the targets. He's got like a 32% target share. He's averaging nine targets per game this year. Uh, he's very good at football, so he's catching most of them. Um, he's got he's gone over 200 yards in his last two games. Like this is this is clearly a guy who should be at something like 80 or 90 percent um, roster ship right now. Like he's he's very good. He's got Cleveland coming up. It's not a it's not a stay away matchup. He's also he's sort of got a role in the offense where you're you're hardly going to be like you don't have to sweat the matchups with this guy necessarily. He's right. he is always in for uh, uh, significant usage, and he's pretty clearly the best receiver on this team. Yeah, um, I have Devontae Parker in my drops section um, for sure. for this week, and I, like he's not rostered in a ton of leagues. And you know, I'll just talk about it now. Like he barely he he went down far in terms of playing time, not just in usage. I don't believe he got targeted at all um, in, in this game last week. And you know, obviously it's Bailey Zappi, but like at the same time, it's the Lions' defense, right? Like, and that's also an asterisk to, to put here with Jacoby Myers' performance, uh, but still. This is what Jacoby Myers does all the time. He just made it into the end zone. And I'm glad you brought this up. Like, okay, DJ Moore is a better player than Jacoby Myers, but there's no like there's no magical reason or something that you could like fine-tooth comb in DJ Moore's game that makes him not a touchdown scorer. I think the yeah. same thing is true with Jacoby Myers. Um, you know, look at the goofballs of quarterbacks that DJ Moore has played with. Look at the, you know, goofball adjacents that Jacoby Myers has played with. Obviously, he played <laughs> one year with Tom Brady. Um, but still, nevertheless, like you know, Cam Newton with his arm falling off. Mac Jones as yep. a rookie. Um, that's why I said goofball adjacents, everybody. You know, Bailey Zappi, Brian Hoyer at different times. Like, yeah, if this offense was better, Jacoby Myers would score more touchdowns. But also, like, everybody talks about who's the next, like, great big slot receiver. I think people forget that Jacoby Myers is, like, 6'2", 200 pounds. Like, he he is that big slot guy who gets open against zone coverage, catches everything. Just a good player, man. And, and I feel like he's actually set up to cruise in this Patriots offense the rest of the way. Like, I feel like it's him and Ramondre Stevenson are in pretty good spots here for the Patriots and pretty much nobody else is. Yeah, there's really there's really no fantasy format in which a guy who's who's just clearly going to catch six or seven balls every week uh, isn't valuable. <laughs> like, like that'll that'll play anywhere. Um, and the the volume here is is uh, I mean it's settled. Like he's he's going to continue at something like eight to ten to twelve uh, uh, opportunities a game. It, like he, he's just somebody who should be who should be starting almost every everywhere. I don't know what his roster percentage is right now, but it's something like forty eight percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he should be he should be started in something like 65%, 70%. He's he's just very very good. Um again, got Cleveland coming up. Yeah. Nothing nothing scary there. Um the other the other names on the on the list and he will make the pickups column. Um I probably want to spend the most time on Alec Pierce. Um Yeah. Man, that guy's this is three games in a row now that have been just flat out really good. Um, he's got uh, over 220 yards in his last three. He's averaging about 15 yards per reception. We've seen him as the, um, as the, you know, effort. I'm going to throw it up into the darkness and Alec Pierce will come up with it um, sort of receiver. But then, 
it also feels weird that I'm talking about so many guys from one of the worst NFL games that I've watched in a while. But um, yep. Alec Pierce, like, saved that's why Matt they're Ryan's. available for the section, Andy. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's true. Alec Pierce really saved Matt Ryan's ass on a, on a handful of throws uh, on, on Thursday night. Like Matt Ryan was terrible. And this, you know, I shouldn't I shouldn't use Matt Ryan being bad as a way to endorse Alec Pierce. But um, man, Alec Pierce really saved him on a couple of awful throws. Uh, he's just looked great. And the other thing about him is, um, he's like a, he's like a built in a lab sort of athlete too. He's, yeah. he's six, three, very fast, 40 inch vertical. So he checks all the athletic boxes. Um, little, again, a little bit raw. Um, and, and you can speak to that as well as anyone, but man, he has clearly earned the trust of his quarterback. Um, and he's established himself pretty firmly, I think now as the number two receiver for Indy. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, we do need the usage to flip a little bit. I, I don't know when the Colts bye week is off the top of my head, but, um, I feel like that's a thing that we usually see with rookies. Like they supplant yeah. the veteran that they're clearly better than right around their bye week. Um, cause right now the last three weeks, 55% uh, in terms of routes per dropbacks for um, Alec Pierce. It's 85.5% for Paris Campbell. And we're certainly like in, okay, that, and, and like we're definitely in enough already territory with uh, Paris Campbell. Although Alec Pierce in, um, in the game against the Broncos, 74.5%. So you can see that starting to trend up. And I agree with you, Pierce, like it almost, get, I, I don't know if, I don't it, please don't cancel me. Uh, you know, maybe John <laughs> cuts out of the podcast if it's really that offensive, but I kind of feel like because he's a white guy, like people think like he's not that athletic. Like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure some person who doesn't watch his game at all will call him gritty at some point. Right. But like, he's much more my comparison for him coming into the NFL. I think we talked about this was like the bad, like the bad analysis of DK Metcalf where he's just an athlete and runs slants posts and goes. And, and I think that's still kind of who he is, but Good hands can win in tight coverage, and we've started to see that. And man, do the Colts need that dimension. So I think Pierce, you know, Sky Moore still on this radar. Obviously, he plays tonight. Um, you, you maybe this is going to look stupid by the time I say this as well, but I feel like they're the leaders in the clubhouse for the you know this year's Amon Ross St. Brown, like a guy that can really be good for oh, you yeah, in the back half call. of the year. Yeah, this this might be a good news bad news situation, but the Colts have their bye week in week fourteen. Which is which is nice in most cases because you know like the next few weeks are going to seem so hard and there's going to be all these guys down both due to injuries and, and due to buys and it's nice to have these guys with the late buys right um, but as you as you say that is often a transitional moment for young players who surge ahead of older players right and who and who really take command of a situation so that would ha that would end up being pretty deep in the season what it happens but also I just you know uh, especially right now as as you look at the sort of minefield of injuries that we're in I kind of like having these guys with the with the late buys yeah 100 percent. all right run me through the rest of your wide receivers here uh yeah as it as at running back I feel like these guys are all kind of in a in a different lower tier and I wouldn't you know I wouldn't make crazy offers on them I wouldn't you know exhaust fab resources for them but well, um, the nice thing about this first guy, Josh Reynolds, um, is that he's got a buy coming up. So nobody's going to be like, you're not going to be in serious competition with other people for him because, uh, the folks who are placing aggressive bids this week are, are, are doing it cause they need wins. Um, and so anybody who's on a buy, like they're not, they're not even really looking at J Josh Reynolds has seen a ton of targets over his last three games, um, uh, coming off another double digit target game. And when he sees volume, um, he, 
he always produces. Um, so he's been really, really good. Something you mentioned that that kind of stuck with me on FFL is that maybe he's just maybe he's just better than DJ Chark. Like maybe <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe Josh Reynolds is just going to have that number two role, um, and we can have a separate conversation when Jamison Williams is actually ready to play and and be at full strength. But but right now maybe Josh Reynolds is just the number two there, and he's looked really good. So uh, I think he deserves a lot of attention. Again, there's not going to be a lot of competition for his services because he's on buy, and then he comes back with a game against Dallas. Um, other guys who are gonna who are gonna you know I see him on the most added list. And I don't have strong, I don't have a really strong positive take on Rondell Moore. I actually really liked him coming into the league, but he, he finally had a game. He finally had a, a moderately productive game, but it happened just in time for DeAndre Hopkins to come back and steal targets from everybody on this team. So I don't really know that we're going to be firing up Rondell Moore. Um, but I think he's moderately interesting coming off a, a pretty good game. Um, Probably we don't need to spend a lot of time on the Giants receiving core, but Darius Slayton had a decent game uh, in in London. It is it is just a it is a rogues gallery of receivers right now among the guys who aren't hurt. Um, Darius Slayton is probably the most competent of them. They do have uh, a pretty interesting guy uh, in Wandell Robinson who's coming back presumably yeah. soon. He returned to practice last week. Obviously, didn't play in the game against Green Bay. I still have a little bit of hope for him because I think he slots into that that Sterling Shepard role. Um, he was just an absolutely electric college player. So he could get fun. And then I wanted to mention Khalil Shakir as well. Um, probably not a guy who's going to hold a lot of value when Isaiah McKenzie comes back from the concussion. He had an up and down game. He had a he had a he had a ball that I don't know if it'll be classified as a drop or not, but it sure looked like a drop. Um, but he also found the end zone. Everybody found the end zone for the Bills, right? Um, man, Dawson Knox finally would have found the end zone, but he couldn't play in that one. That's a bummer. Yeah. Um, but Shakira, a pretty talented guy. His his value going forward probably depends on the health of other Bills receivers. However. Yeah, certainly those should be on the radar because I think he's good at football uh, and a guy that's good at football in this offense definitely got to be on the radar. But those Giants names are good to call out as well. All right, now on to quarterbacks. Uh, Andy, the Geno, the Geno experience moves on and, and it moves on to Arizona this week after he's remained white hot, which got to feel pretty good. Oh man. Um, there's really, he's really the only quarterback I want to talk about. We'll mention a couple other guys, but, um, Geno Smith still widely available. I get it. Like nobody, nobody seems to fully trust it. This is, this is seven touchdown passes in his last three games. He is currently leading the NFL. I mean, we got, we got, we're five weeks in. He's currently leading the NFL in both passer rating and in completion percentage. His completion percentage is greater than 75. Um, he's hitting everything. And sometimes the answer is as simple as he gets to throw to Tyler Lockett and he gets to throw to DK Metcalf. And there have been plays with those two for the last three games. Like, it's crazy that back in August, we were watching Lockett and Metcalf just sink like stones in drafts. Um, everybody circled around him. Nobody, especially, like, it was even worse, I I, I think, in um, industry drafts, right? Like, nobody yep. wanted to be the guy in the industry who actually drafted Tyler Lockett. What are you kidding? I was in um, I was in salary cap drafts where Lockett went for, like, $5, $6. Like, absolutely nobody wanted in. Um, and Lockett. I took him in the, I think in the 11th round of the Scott fishbowl, dude, like 11th (laughs) round. I took him in. I mean, I will will, like, this is not a victory lap at all, but I mean, I'm a Lockett guy. Like I could not sit there and click like, you know, Marvin Jones over, over Tyler Lockett. Okay. Or, or whatever. Like it was always 
goofball receiver who I think is cooked B or Tyler Lockett as the A choice. And I, I do have a lot of teams with Tyler Lockett. I wish I had more teams with DK Metcalf on it. Um, I wish I took DK Metcalf over like Juju Smith-Schuster or whatever, who, again, uh. I keep talking about guys who are going to play tonight. Um, maybe he scored three touchdowns finally. Probably not. Um, but, yeah, like I wish I had more Metcalf teams, have a lot of Lockett teams because it's just like, what were we doing letting guys that are this good at football fall this far? Yeah, and like Gino's pushing the ball downfield. Um, the pass attempts have been great. His, uh, you know, not that it's a major factor in uh, his forecast moving forward, but his own team's defense is terrible. Um, so this is going to be a team that finds its, its you know, uh, Seattle's found itself in shootouts the past two weeks. There's going to be shootouts for this team all year. There's probably one coming up against Arizona. Um, Gino's just been great. Like, I don't see any end to this. And I, I just realized on Sunday that his championship week matchup is with the Jets, which how fun is that? Oh, right. Like revenge game, baby. Yeah, we've got every possible narrative there. Um, I love it. Like I'm I, I finally made the move to start Gino over um, starting him over Matt Stafford in a league. I got a league where oh, I yeah. dropped Russell Wilson for him. Like I've you know, I'm I finally rolled him out last week after after watching all these points accumulate on my bench and I'm feeling pretty good about it and I'm feeling good about it this week. I think he's I think he's the clear priority at quarterback for again, this is one of those guys I get it. Like you're you're in a much deeper league. I'm sure Geno Smith was gone in your league two weeks ago. And yet he's still out there in a majority of Yahoo leagues and and most of you can uh, can pull the trigger. I mean, I just think it's worth talking about players like this. He's only rostered in 35% of Yahoo leagues, okay? So, I mean, I think there's more than enough. Which is probably a lot based on where he came into the season. I'm sure he came into the season rostered in like 1% or 2%. So it takes, it's a lot of activity to get a guy up to 35% when he's, when he's rostered nowhere um, to, to begin the season. He's just, I got, I got nothing bad to say about his performance to date. Like, I test analytics like there's there's nothing you can look at to to indicate that Gino has been like secretly bad. He's been good. Yeah. You know, it just dawned on me and I don't know if anybody else has made this comparison. If you have, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but it, he's to me, Gino Smith 2022 is like Ryan Fitzpatrick 2015 with the Jets, where oh, like yeah. he was a a vagabond veteran quarterback but got to play in a pretty fun offense with two great receivers in Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker when those guys were still really, really good. And Fitz, you know, based on your scoring system, he was like a top 12 quarterback that year. Yeah. Um, he was, and it was kind of the same situation where it was, okay, all right, when is it, like, when is Fitz going to turn back into a pumpkin, right? And he never, I mean, they, they flamed out at the end of that year, right? But they were the Jets went ten and six. They were competitive. They almost went to the playoffs. I think you know five point five percent touchdown rate for Ryan Fitzpatrick in two thousand fifteen. I mean, Gino might just because they were in a bit of a different era right now overall. But like Gino is probably going to blow those raw stats away. But I he yeah. could end up being a top twelve quarterback in fantasy simply, like you said, to bring it back around simply because he's not horrible and that's what i wish i wish i had been a little nicer about gino like that he's he's like a backup level quarterback in the nfl he's a competent quarterback in the nfl and he gets to throw to tyler lockett and dk metcalf just like ryan fitzpatrick competent backup level quarterback got to throw to brandon marshall and eric decker and the results were really really good all year long that's such a that's such a good call out. It's such a good comp. Um, and like he feels like a player who may age like that, too, because because I mean, Fitzpatrick had a bunch of moments late in his career. And obviously he was great for that half season in Miami as well. Um, 
he just reached a, a sweet spot in his career where he'd seen everything. Um, there, there was nothing you could show him that he wasn't ready for. And he may not have been, uh, obviously he wasn't, you know, a top 10 in the, uh, in the positional ranks level talent, but, um, you know, he'd seen it all and he was still physically capable of doing, uh, everything he needed to do. And he was like a, that was a really good fantasy start um, for the back end of his career, which is not how it often happens. But that may very well be what we what we get with Gino. And he'd been a punchline for so long. It's just it's just such a wonderful Literally. story. Literally a punchline, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> Laugh at um, my joke. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> uh, go, through, go through the rest of the quarterbacks, please, before I say anything else. <laughs> no, I don't even like I. I don't even want to mention the other quarterbacks, right? Because I feel like it taints a, a lovely discussion about Geno Smith, um, who's been this this terrific story. But I do like I feel almost you know obligated to mention to people that that um, and listen, this is a use at your own risk quarterback, and I assume no blame in this situation when it blows up. But I will just tell you that Carson Wentz is is playing <laughs> the Bears on Thursday night. Um, you don't have to watch it. I'll watch it. Don't I'll watch, watch it, it for Spe- you. Specifically, don't watch it. I, I, talk I to might actually go friend. to it. I may go to it. Yeah, um, I know. I don't know what you're doing, man. John That's Daigle and I were just talking about. We were we were already we were at a bar watching a, a perfectly terrible Broncos Colts game, and we were like, you know what? Wouldn't surely be any worse than this is the Commanders and Bears next Thursday. Um, so we may <sighs> we may actually go to that live. It's so rare that I get to see a game live um, that I may just do it anyway. Carson Wentz playing the Bears. Um, I disavow this recommendation. Um, I take no responsibility for it, nor does Yahoo Inc., nor do any of our corporate partners. Um, but hey, Carson Wentz playing the Bears. It's a good spot. He's got great receivers. Um, J- Jimmy Garoppolo is facing uh, Atlanta. You, you know what you're getting with Jimmy. It's 210 yards and either one or two touchdowns. He'll never throw for more. That's it. Those are all, those are all of my quarterbacks as you, as you lift the aquarium to your face. <laughs> yeah, bad timing there. Bad <laughs> podcasting. Um, Let's move to t- move to tight ends real quickly because I got an ice cube that just went down my throat. I hate talking about Taysom Hill. It's so hard. Um, maybe it's easy. I don't know. Maybe we can make it easy. Um, he's another one of those guys that has a really late buy. So if you're just fed up with tight ends generally and you just want to park Taysom Hill in your tight end spot, even though the team says he's a tight end, he's, he's certainly not playing tight end. Um, but he's going to get five rush attempts a game, and uh, oftentimes they are near the goal line. And hey, he's surely just had his best game of the year, right? Three rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown. He's almost certainly not doing that again. But is there another two-touchdown game out there? Sure. It's it's Taysom Hill, and they're still doing all the fun gimmicky stuff with Taysom Hill that they always did. I don't know when it's coming. He's not uh, you don't really look at matchups with a guy like this, right? Like he's right. he's he's such an oddball player. But I do understand if you just want to park Taysom Hill in the tight end spot and wash your hands of this position. I totally get it. Again, it's the late buy. That works. Um, it's wild to me as well that he is actually, the last time I checked on uh, on on Monday, he Taysom Hill and not Kenneth Walker was the most added player in Yahoo Fantasy. I just think that's kind of crazy. I mean, that's just, like, <laughs> you're really going to chase that week? You think you think that week is happening again? Um I think the flip. I think the flip side of that game, um, and I realized there were a bunch of really frustrated. Well, just Alvin real Kamara. quick, real quick on yeah. Taysom. Um, he, the deal is with Taysom. Like, yeah, sure. There's that 34 point game. The floor is quite literally zero. Which, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. F- fair enough. Like Dawson Knox's floor is literally zero, right? Uh, I mean that that's okay. Uh, but you know, 
I believe he did not record any sort of offensive touches in week three. Uh, Tampa Bay, 1.4 points. So, I mean, there's a – I part of me before even putting this together was like, you should add Taysom Hill just to piss off your league mates, okay? Like just to be <laughs> – just to have them like – fired up in the group chat every week uh you know that that you're you got 34 points from a not tight end tight end but at the same time yeah. also be prepared to piss yourself off when he does that okay so just remember that that there's going to be no predicting the Taysom Hill stuff yeah I mean the argument against it is the the entire position is basically that way right like they're they're yeah. guys seeing decent target volume and not finding the end zone um but the whole position outside of Andrews and Kelsey is a little bit of a wasteland. So if you just care about, you know, if you want to just look at it and say, I only care about ceiling and I know that my ceiling with Taysom Hill is another 30 point game out there somewhere. Um, I totally get it, but you're totally, you're also completely right. You're going to have to live with the, with the likelihood of, uh, of probably more than one, uh, zero point fantasy performance out there at some point. I, I was going to say that I actually think, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of reasons to worry if you're an Alvin Kamara owner, um, uh, manager. He's not, you know, he's not, I don't, I don't know if he has a carry yet. In so, like when they get in goal to go situations, I don't even know if he has a carry yet this season, but it was a really productive game for him. Um, huge yardage game, uh, he, huge in terms of usage. So that was good to see. Yes, I realized Taysom Hill took all of his touchdowns. Um, and that is super frustrating, but, um, it just in terms of, of usage and how good he looked, whether he looked like Alvin Kamara, yes, he, he emphatically did. So I thought it was a good game for Kamara. It's just, you know, Taysom Hill, uh, stole all the good stuff. Other tight ends that I would take a look at. We mentioned Hayden Hurst earlier. Um, he found the end zone again. He's been really good. Obviously if, uh, if T Higgins is going to be out, sure seems like they're going to be targeting, uh, Hayden Hurst a fair amount. And, you know, when teams give them that, you know, when, when teams endeavor to take away the deep ball that they really want to throw every time they drop back, like Hayden Hurst is there and Joe Burrow is finding him lately. So that's encouraging. Evan Ingram also finally had the, it wasn't a great game, right? 69 receiving yards, um, but 10 targets. Like he finally had the workload that uh, I was thinking he might get earlier in the season. He was a guy who at least the people around the Jaguars were kind of buzzing about throughout the summer. So it was nice to, it was nice to finally see some results there in an otherwise absolutely miserable game for the Jags. Um, they, they've really face planted since, since I started to get excited about them a couple of weeks ago, they've been, they've same. been terrible. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Um, well, we're dropping expectations for the Jaguars, Andy, who should the people out there be dropping it on their fantasy teams? Yeah. The people should get Russell Wilson the hell off their fantasy. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is, it's, yeah. This, this is really bad. And if you, I mean, I would have had no problem if you dropped him in the middle of the Thursday night game, right? Like, just just drop him to be rid of it um, and to yeah. and to stop looking at the name and thinking about it. Because this is, you know, it's like an exaggerated version of the DJ Moore situation that we were talking about where, like, like we've had a lot of good times with Russell Wilson. You're going to see his name on your bench and be like, oh, man, I should start Russell. He's got a – this thing could be a shootout against whoever, the Chiefs, whoever, right, the Chargers. Um it does not look like he is capable of supporting a shootout right now. And I know, I know there's an injury situation here as well that he's going to be playing through. I can't say that I think his problems this year have been injury related or velocity related. Um, they are decision-making and familiarity with his receiving core. And 
perhaps the quality of his receivers as well, a point that you've made um, previously. It's just not the same. I can't tell you when I'm next going to have Russell Wilson as a top 12 fantasy quarterback. Um, And like in most leagues, you don't even need to carry a second QB. Like no good team is starting Russell Wilson right now. So I think he's not only a drop. I think he's a I think he's an exciting, emphatic drop. Yeah, just get him off there. I agree with you. Um, Vibes are bad. Um, You know, the injury news is bad. There's just nothing good. Nothing, no hope to hold on to, I think, with Russell Wilson. That, you know, maybe like I've seen a lot of Denver fans say, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers in this offense, like he took a while to get going. And, you know, okay, well, it didn't, number one, even if that's an applicable like situation here with Russ, he didn't really get it going until the next year, right? And also like, Okay, just because this is the offensive coordinator with the Packers does not mean this is like what about this Denver Broncos offense looks like what the Packers did the last few years. (laughs) I would say nothing. I would say nothing just because Nathaniel Hackett happened to be in the building and was like Aaron Rodgers enjoyed making fun of him and doing Jeopardy questions with him. um, Does not mean that (laughs) does not mean that this is going to be the same situation. Like Matt LaFleur is not a part of this. Um, By the way, Aaron Rodgers is not a part of this. Like, you know, Aaron Russell Wilson's not Aaron Rodgers because he's not as good as Aaron Rodgers. Like there, there is that as well. Um, Couple drops I've got for you. I talked about Devontae Parker. Um, I think Chase Edmonds, like I I think he's going to be a guy that sure for him, Mostert gets hurt and everybody drops Chase Edmonds, we'll probably all be telling you to pick up Chase Edmonds. So do keep that in mind. Raheem Mostert, obviously a guy who struggled with injuries in the past, but it sure looks like this operation has flipped to Raheem Mostert. Um, getting a little bit of like Jarek McKinnon 49ers vibes with, uh, with Chase Edmonds, where they went out and spent a bunch of money on Chase Edmonds and really don't they'll just throw anybody else in there to follow the money thing um frank schwab was kind of right about that like uh, frank's like i always follow the money except with chase edmonds so far so good there (laughs) frank schwab on that one um i I don't know how you would ever have any confidence playing chase edmonds and it would take an injury to to make it happen and and that's going to be a that is going to be a tough guy to hold through the bye weeks i agree with that and miles gaskin played a little bit in in week five so like Edmonds might not even be the answer if uh, if anything happens to yep. Mostert. And I fully agree with you on Mostert. Like it it seemed like it was happening a couple weeks ago. He finally played over 70% of the snaps. But another part of me also thought, well, this is just kind of a spin the wheel backfield. And, you know, Edmonds keeps finding the end zone and they clearly still like him to some extent. Well, that that does not seem to be the case after week five. They got a lot of problems and um they are they are just sort of setting Chase Edmonds aside right now. And again, I'm not I'm not even sure he's the backup right now. I'm not sure either. Um, Josh Palmer, I think the closer Keenan Allen is to returning, the sooner you can get Josh Palmer, who's also a little banged up himself uh, off your roster. He The point of Josh Palmer was I, I don't know what the point of Josh Palmer was, but like if you drafted him, <laughs> you were like, I'm hoping I'm hoping to play him during uh, like the stretch where Mike Williams or Keenan Allen misses games. Well, that stretch is almost over. I feel like with Keenan Allen, although Keenan Allen was mostly like tweeting on Sunday, like he's a fan about Brandon Staley's fourth down decision. Uh, yeah. Can't wait to talk to Austin about that. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like the Josh Palmer thing, like you can go ahead and drop that guy at this point. Yeah, no argument there. Um, he, had some opportunities, didn't fully take advantage of them. Some of it, I'm sure, is injury-related, but uh, tur- turns out he's not Keenan Allen. <laughs> what a shock. Uh, <laughs> all right, hold on loosely here, Andy. You've got Antonio Gibson, which I think is fascinating for a couple of reasons because um, Ron, we talked about Carson Wentz earlier, and I agree with your point. I talked to our 
mutual friend Chris Harris this morning, like, don't you can play Carson Wentz, but don't watch Carson Wentz like on Thursday yes. night, right? Um, but uh, you know, Ron Rivera this morning, he's saying to the media, like, the difference between us and all the other NFC East teams is like the quarterback situation, <sighs> which he then said some parts of things about Carson Wentz that were, you know, mildly complimentary, all that. And, but it was a little strange. Like, I mean, not really pal. One of these teams is starting Cooper rush and the other is starting Daniel Jones. I don't think that's what it is, but he also said like, Oh, Antonio Gibson might have opportunities to be, you know, to return some kicks now that Brian Robinson is healthy. So you want people to hold on to the, um, Washington commanders kick returner. I, I, I will tell you that um, I just wanted to shoehorn Antonio Gibson into the conversation somewhere, and I'm not at all sure that I would hold on to him because um, he I, he barely played. Uh, <laughs> like Brian Robinson come came back, and we, like we thought, wow, what a great story! Brian Robinson coming back, he'll probably have a small role. It wasn't necessarily a small role. It sure looked like Antonio Gibson was like the number three running back on this team, perhaps behind J.D. McKissick. Um, he played 20 oh. snaps. He saw six touches. The only like the only argument that I can make to hold on to him is I, I, I think I think he's pretty good. Um, I I thought he was I thought he was borderline heroic last year playing through. Um, again I I know I've made the point before. Guy played through a broken leg last year. He played through a stress fracture in his leg. Um, and the team gave us that the usual BS about how he couldn't really he couldn't make a stress fracture worse by playing on. Of course he could. He played through it. Um, it like tremendous, uh, tremendous season. And he's been rewarded with that, um, by apparently being the, being the return man for this team. It's really, it's pretty wild. I think he's good. Um, I can tell you that I've got him in four leagues and I'm not going to drop him in any of them, but I, I get it. I'm totally willing to look the other way if you feel you need to. Dude, they love Brian Robinson. And I mean, it's an awesome story. We should all be rooting for Brian Robinson. They played, um, they played many men by 50 cent as, as he walked out of the tunnel onto the field <laughs> yesterday, which is just hilarious. But um, they love that. Dude, they love that guy. So I don't yeah. know with the, yeah, they clearly love him more than they love Antonio Gibson. Um, my two guys here, I added AJ Dillon cause Lord podcast uh, asked me yesterday, like how soon are we to like dropping AJ Dillon? Um, don't drop AJ Dillon. I know he's been a very, very frustrating fantasy player. I mean, in his, target percentage seems to come down every single week you know Aaron Rodgers talked about how he's going to get both these running backs into the 50 catch club I don't think so pal not the way things are going um and I guess there's an argument to be made that they are kind of settling on a three receiver set of Alan Lazard Randall Cobb and, and Romeo Dobbs and because those guys have I'll call it sort of emerged that, that it takes away some of the receiving juice from the running backs. But I feel like you need, you need to hold on to AJ Dillon because if you drop AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, like, you know, slips on a banana peel tomorrow, you'll be furious. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't like, I'd feel a whole lot better with AJ Dillon on a roster than Antonio Gibson on a roster right now. Yeah. Um, I, I think AJ Dillon is absolutely somebody that you hold on to. Um, he's going to be difficult to start. Um, we're probably not going to rank him, uh, as a, as a top 20 fantasy running back anytime soon. But as you say, anything at all happens to Aaron Jones and, um, Dillon is a, is a top 10 guy at the, at the position, almost without respect to who they play. Uh, and he's, He's still seeing enough volume that you can you can flex him. I mean, we're getting yeah. into bye weeks. Like you're you're almost certainly not yeah. going to drop AJ Dillon during the buys. 
yeah, he's a touchdown or bust type of guy. But yeah, I mean, it could you could be a lot worse than that. I mean, some of the talk after week one that AJ Dillon was going to be like a better fantasy player than Aaron Jones is that was pretty laughable. Um, I think there was a little too much excitement about AJ Dillon in general. I mean, like, you weren't laughing at the time. <laughs> uh, you weren't, you weren't laughing. laughing after week one. I was not. I was uh, not laughing at the Aaron Jones part of it. Um, yeah, you're right. No, you're right. Let me just say, I was not laughing at the time. I was pretty freaked out about <laughs> about Aaron Jones specifically. Feeling better though. I feel feel moderate. As you better. should. As you should. I mean, I can't wait for the next Bears game, but uh, that that's really the oh. thing we're all waiting on here. Um, other other guy that I've got hold on loosely here is Elijah Moore. I'm saying this because I told people to draft Elijah Moore. A lot about the Jets situation is unforeseen. A lot about it probably should have been given more credit to, but um, I don't. Andy, what you you tell me? Would you would you drop Elijah Moore? I I'm holding on to him because I think he is a legitimately good player, and I think he's playing legitimately well, and I think he's getting a lot of opportunity from a playing time perspective. It might not be the year for Elijah Moore, but I think he's a guy I want to hold on to at least a little while longer. Yeah, I can't, you know, some of this is relative to expectations, I guess. Um, the And the leagues in which I've got Elijah Moore are are deep enough that there's not there's not a comparable guy out there. You know, yeah. if I were to drop Elijah Moore, I'd be adding, I don't know, Deion Jackson. I'm not making that transaction, right? Like yeah. Elijah Moore is not, he's not somebody who should be kicked to the curb. I don't know. Like if you're in a, you've already described a situation where you're in a, you're in a, a, uh, 10 team league, something like that. You're loaded at receiver and Elijah Moore is like your fifth or sixth guy. I would get it if you, if you, you know, if he gets, if Elijah Moore gets dropped in your, in your mom's league, we're probably not even talking about it. That's not going to be the most notable drop of the week. Um, so in a, in a certain format, I guess I can imagine it, but, uh, 12 teams and larger. I just can't believe, I can't believe it's not going to come around to Elijah Moore at some point. I can't believe there's not going to be an Elijah Moore week or three. I, I agree with you. Um, Julie, by the way, still's got Elijah Moore on on her roster. I can't believe that. Um, we'll see. That's Maybe that's like the one player on. we're loyal to in in your mom's league. Wow, huh? Uh, well, uh, we'll see. Um, last thing before we get to my mom's league, uh, getting in early, Andy. We've got Rashad White here. I feel like we've talked about we we talk about Rashad White in this segment pretty much every single week. I also like that we mentioned Sky Moore earlier. Uh, even Alec Pierce, I think, is a guy that like. You're kind of getting in early, but maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's just here. Um, I'll also nominate Van Jefferson here that it's probably not the time oh, to add Van Jefferson because he's going to probably still miss a little bit of time. But dude, you watch Rams offense and like they need Van Jefferson, which I, I that was an injury that I wish we didn't like yada yada over in the preseason because I feel like we kind of did because Van Jefferson can play. Like Van Jefferson is good, and my God, do they need a vertical X receiver? Because I don't think Allen Robinson is totally washed, but I don't think he can be their vertical X receiver, and that's kind of what they're asking him to do right now. And like Van Jefferson did play that role for this team last year. Yeah, played it really effectively, and otherwise that guy is like two two Atwell, and they're I mean they're just flat out like whatever we think about Allen Robinson, they're not targeting him. I mean it's it's five or six targets a week and no more. Um, so that is a really good call. Yeah, the the reason I list Rashad White here uh, in part is because I just don't think, especially this week, like people are going to be going all in on Kenneth Walker, and understandably so. And behind Kenneth Walker, people are going to have you know Benjamin. Like there's a couple of clear guys at the top of the board. Um, and Rashad White, again, I, I, I know we've said it before, he he is somebody who would be absolutely must start uh, if, if anything were to happen to Leonard Fournette um, because he's clearly the understudy there. And he's actually 
actually been playing a little bit these last two weeks. Uh, 39% of the snaps the last two weeks, eight touches in each of those games, had a touchdown a couple weeks ago. Like, this is a very good player and a very good receiver. It is it is not difficult to imagine Rashad White being that, you know, league winner type in the second half of the season going on a, I'm not going to say Rashad Penny level binge, but going on a nice little binge late in the year. If anything were to happen to Fournette at all, you would be rolling this guy out there every week and and he could potentially carry you. Uh, just, just an absolutely wonderful receiving threat. Great fit for the offense. All right, Andy, the segment that America loves. I, th- there were a lot of drops in the Treviso Babes League, my mom's league. Uh, if you're not familiar with the segment, my mom is playing fantasy football for the first time this year. Um, it consumes probably 80% of our discussions these days, me and my mother, which is <laughs> uh, I've been do I've been playing fantasy football since I was, you know, early in high school. And I would say that prior to this year, it consumed zero zero percent of our <laughs> zero to maybe 0.5% of the discussions I had with my mother. It is very clearly flipped on its head. Um, so we talk about fantasy a lot, but the drops in this league are absolutely wild. Andy, there were so many. I, I just want to give you kind of like the broad strokes and see if you can get one. Um, I think at this point you kind of get the trend of of who gets dropped in this league. Uh, I know last time we talked last week, it was Damian Pierce. Mom added Damian Pierce, ended up winning uh, that matchup, oh, which is great because she has Rashad Penny, um, you know, and that was like her RB too. So uh, th- that was the big one. Darren Waller was a big one last week. Got any guesses for this week? Man, I'm I'm still floored that Damian Pierce was dropped coming off like a couple of very good games. Like Damian Pierce hadn't done anything wrong. Um, wasn't wasn't hurt. Like there there was just no there was just no glaring issue there. That is wild. Um did and now we're coming into the buys. So like as crazy as the drops have been, they're they're gonna get a little nuttier. Um was was DeAndre Swift dropped? No, not quite that high. Uh, these these folks do still seem to um, value the running back position pretty highly. The only big name running back who's been you know dropped is is obviously Javante Williams. They they do seem to hold on to like the high end running backs uh, pretty. So so no 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 big running backs this week. Was Keenan Allen dropped? Keenan Allen was dropped. Uh, Keenan yeah. Allen now currently in my mom's IR spot, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> um, she dropped Russell Wilson. She took your advice. but Andy, you know, this is my mom dunking on you again here. Uh, she dropped Russell Wilson leading into this week. Um, yeah, good or, well, for her. After Thursday night, but, uh, you know, whatever. She dropped Russell Wilson to add Keenan Allen to get into the IR spot because uh, we had to take Brian Robinson out of the IR spot. It's the whole thing. But yeah, I'm, I'm actually a little once 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 she dropped Russell Wilson, I was like, you know what, mom? Like, no, these folks do hoard backup quarterbacks too. I mean, like we're looking at, you know, if Russell Wilson stands out like a sore thumb next to you know Jacoby Brissett, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, oh Jimmy gosh. Garoppolo, Mac Jones, like Kenny Pickett. That's what we're looking at. But whatever, it was worth the roster spot. A couple other guys. You want to just you want you want to guess any others? You want to just give you the rest of the no? Guys? Give it to me. Michael Thomas dropped. Rashad Bateman dropped. DeAndre Hopkins has been on the raw has been on the wire forever. Yeah, Keenan Allen was definitely the big Cam Akers, 100 percent dropped. Um, although that one, like, you know what? I can get it. Uh Hunter Renfro was dropped, added back. He, she he's on Jennifer's team. Jennifer seems to be doing a lot of these drops. Jennifer I made I the should have like, guessed Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas fits the profile of a drop in this league perfectly. And you know what? I'm not even gonna be like 
Because mom, mom is a reception perception subscriber. She's got Chris Olave on the roster. I'm almost not like, you know, I'm not even like, mom, maybe you should think about picking up Michael Thomas. <laughs> no, just forget <laughs> it. We've already got the best Saints receiver. Oh, uh, poor, poor Olave. That was, that was one of the, you know, there were some uh, obviously more, perhaps more significant injuries uh, this past week. But man, uh, Olave, also a hero, by the way, for scoring a touchdown on the play in which he was injured. So hopefully he makes it back real soon. Yeah, we shall see. All right. In the meantime, that is going to do it for us. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Barons uh, if you don't already. And if you aren't already, come on. What are you doing with yourself? You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, make yourself a better fantasy player and improve your timeline by following at Yahoo Fantasy. Austin Eckler will be back tomorrow following yet another huge performance against the Browns. We'll talk about it all on the new episode of Eckler's Edge. Until then, we're out.